We have reached the weekend, and we are thrilled to talk all about the field of 68 and the 2023 Big Dance, the NCAA tournament that is upcoming. Welcome into college basketball, coast to coast, the nation's college basketball show and podcast as we come your way, headed into the final weekend of championship week all over the board. Big East in New York, uh, ACC in Greensboro, North Carolina. SEC, Nashville, Tennessee, Big 12, Kansas City, Missouri, Big 10, Chicago, Illinois. I'm not leaving anything out because just go out to Vegas. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. For the Pac-12 tournament, the Mountain West tournament, the Big West tournament, they're all the WAC tournament, they're all out in Vegas. So wherever you're hearing us, American Tournament in Fort Worth, Mid-American Conference in Cleveland, Ohio, on and on and on for all these tournaments. It's championship week. We're ready to go over all of it. I'm anxious to get about it with my guests, and then we will have a bracket on Sunday night for Selection Sunday. However you found this podcast, this show, thank you for doing so. Make sure that you are following or subscribing under College Basketball Coast to Coast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc., As we get things underway here today, we will have a selection Sunday night show as well coming here as part of College Basketball Coast to Coast. And we're also streaming on the TuneIn channel. To that end, uh, the live TuneIn channel on TuneIn Premium, College Basketball Coast to Coast, will have coverage of the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference title game. That is coming on Saturday night, Atlantic City, New Jersey. This is Iona, Niagara, Marist and St. Peter's on semifinal Friday night. Two winning teams will play Saturday night. As you're listening to us throughout the weekend, you may already know those results. Did Rick Patino and Iona get it done and get back in the NCAA tournament for the second time in three years for him? St. Peter's, the darlings, a year ago. They have a losing record headed into the weekend, but they've already pulled a quarterfinal upset. Will it continue for St. Peter's without some of the players from last year, without their coach, Shaheen Holloway? We'll find out Saturday night in the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference title game on TuneIn, the College Basketball Coast to Coast live channel. Hear the live coverage with Mike Gill and me on Saturday night, 7.30 Eastern time for an automatic bid. A lot of the tournament title games going on at the same time. We will be there in Atlantic City. Like I left out Conference USA in Frisco, Texas. Uh, They've got an automatic bid up for grabs. Uh, Atlantic 10 uh, as well up for grabs this weekend. Uh, on and on down the list, even even the Ivy League, all of them playing out for an automatic bid and spots in the NCAA tournament. So we're anxious to see how it unfolds. All right, let me lay the show out straight ahead. We're going to go back to a conversation with my buddy Will Haskett, who worked uh, earlier this week on TuneIn and College Basketball Coast to Coast, the live channel. We worked the Northern Kentucky win in the Horizon League, Northern Kentucky uh, defeating Cleveland State. Will Northern Kentucky be a 16 seed? Will they be in the first four or not? We'll talk about NKU, their win. And then Will is also based in Indianapolis and the heart of the Big Ten country with the Big Ten tournament in Chicago. He and I will go back and forth on some Big Ten conversation in just a little bit. Uh, here on our conversation then let's go big east Ari Russell great friend of the program college basketball coast to coast he's covering the big east tournament for us here on the show Ari will be here with the semifinals on Friday night between UConn and Marquette and Creighton and Xavier we don't know those results as we release this show you do know those results as Friday night becomes Saturday What's going to happen? Is UConn rise again as a big east tournament champion or is it somebody out of the group like Marquette Xavier or Creighton that ends up getting the automatic bid and the crown and gets to hang the banner. We'll talk with Chris Dobertine later on about whether the winner of this tournament gets an even better two seed, a three seed, a two seed, 
especially if it's Marquette or, or UConn, whoever wins the Friday night semifinal. So stand by for that. But again, Ari Russell will give you great perspective. He's in New York. He will be there for the Big East Championship game for us on TuneIn and on College Basketball Coast to Coast, the show and the podcast. We'll talk with Ari. And then, as I mentioned, Mr. Blogging the Bracket will be here uh, to clinch the show. Bloggingthebracket.com, Chris Daubertine with a lot on the one seeds, conference tournament title games. Does that matter? Uh, I always love this from the selection committees where they say it doesn't matter if you win your conference tournament title game. Uh, I mean, it's an absolutely ridiculous, uh, asinine thing to say. Of course, that should matter. It's why you're playing the tournaments. Uh, And this silliness, I'm just banging on the committee's past. And and if the same committee says the same thing, this silliness of, well, we just we can't do the seating and we can't do the process if we're having to wait on those title games. Yes, the technology now exists that you can do the seating in the process in a matter of a few minutes, a half hour, whatever it is to figure it out. You're not writing this by hand. You're not putting it up with a dry erase marker on a grease board. It's all digital. You can figure it out. Those results should matter, especially on Sunday when teams like the SEC, the American Conference, the Big Ten are playing. Those results should matter. It should matter whether Purdue has won the Big Ten tournament or not. It should matter whether Alabama has won the SEC tournament or not. And to say that it doesn't matter is ridiculous. Everything in March should matter, and conference tournament championship games should absolutely matter. So I'm I'm off the soapbox, and you'll know about a lot of these results, and just get ready. Buckle up. Who's good? Do we really know that Alabama can win six games in the NCAA tournament? How are they going to look this weekend in the SEC tournament? Is Purdue built to win a national title? Remember, St. Peter's beat them a year ago when they were heavily favored and they had days to prepare. Do we really know out of teams like UCLA or Houston, Kansas, the question mark without Bill Self, the coach is uh, with illness. He's got great players, but he's not there to coach them right now in the big 12 tournament. Is he back for the NCAA tournament? All these are variables. So we're going to get into all of it here on this show. And again, we're streaming on the TuneIn channel. You will know a lot of the results already about what we're talking about. But we keep all of this kind of in the general theme of what's going to happen in these conference tournaments and what's going to happen with the field of 68 coming Sunday. So let's get into it right now. The discussion begins with what happened earlier in the week with Northern Kentucky and a little Big Ten as well. 63-61 lead, Northern Kentucky. They will inbound with two-tenths of a second left, and as soon as the ball is touched, the game is over. Let's see if he throws it long. I would just hand it to the other team. He'll run the baseline. He'll inbound, and that'll end the game. Denied a year ago, Northern Kentucky has redemption. They have won the 2023 Horizon League championship game, and they're on their way to the NCAA tournament. Well, that is the way that it ended on Tuesday night in Indianapolis as the Northern Kentucky Norse joined the field of 68 on the automatic bid by virtue of that Horizon League championship win over Cleveland State. And I get to welcome in here on College Basketball Coast to Coast in our coverage, the man that called the game with me, Will Haskett, one more time. Will, always great to be with you. And just in the recap mode, Let's say a couple of more things about Northern Kentucky here and the job they did to win this tournament. They beat the one seed in the semifinal, and then they gutted out a win in the championship game over Cleveland State. They were the better team overall, and they did enough to win by two to go into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, it was really a two-day performance of a team that understood what it took to get it done in this building. Youngstown State riding high in the semifinals, the number one seed, first time ever being a regular season champion, but Northern Kentucky just had the postseason experience, just 
took the high-flying offense of the Penguins and just shut them down and emphatically punched their way into this championship. And then against Cleveland State, didn't have their best offensive performance, but stayed active, really took Cleveland State, I thought, out of their offensive rhythm a number of times in this game, forced 17 turnovers, which is really the story of this one. And when it was all said and done, 21-7 to the advantage in points off of turnovers when the game was over with. I thought some of it was Cleveland State not figuring out how to execute their offense against a sometimes matchup zone, sometimes man-to-man. -man. They, they kind of junked a few defenses at him. Darren Horn squatted a really good job of keeping them off balance. But at the end of the day, it was players that had been in this situation the year before. They knew what it was like to lose at the last minute. They weren't going to let that happen down the stretch date, even though there were two just horrible scoring droughts for both teams late in the second half. It was a couple of big shots by Northern Kentucky that get it done at the end. Again, Marquez Warwick is their best player. He finished with 18. He was tremendous at the line. He did miss one free throw at the very end of the game. That could have been costly, but 11 of 13 at the line, that was big. Again, 17 turnovers by Cleveland State was big. Let's talk more big picture for Northern Kentucky. We kept saying on the broadcast of the game, Darren Horn, their coach, has experience in the NCAA tournament yep. as a Sweet 16 player with Western Kentucky, has a uh, Sweet 16 as a coach at Western Kentucky, and now has won this tournament two times in 2020 and in 2023. In 2020, they didn't get to go to the NCAA yeah. tournament when everything shut down. But can you say enough? You were talking in the broadcast about the culture, the championship experience, the postseason experience. Darren Horn, his leadership, a part of that as well. Yeah, and defense wins championships too. And so that, that's really the identity of this squad as well as the way that they guarded, the way that they were able to force the pressure and force the turnovers. And look, is this a team that's got – a good matchup in wherever they face. If they're in the first four, yeah, I think they've got the experience and the guards to go out and win a game. If it's a 16 or a 15 seed against a 1 or a 2, I don't think they have the horses to really hang with any team. And a 22-12 and 12 overall record this year I think probably dictates you're going to see this team either playing in Dayton in the first four or as a 16 seed against a 1 seed coming up later in the week. But, again, a lot of fight, a lot of experience. And I'll be interested to see what Marquez Warwick can do on the bigger stage. I think in the Horizon League, these teams have done a really good job of making sure that he doesn't get open looks. That's certainly going to be the scout against whatever team they face against. But I think there's enough wrinkles on this team and enough shot makers on this team to at least surprise a couple of teams that are out there, maybe not for 40 minutes, but at some point in time in the tournament. Because, again, they play connected. They know each other. They know where to be. Uh, they take care of the basketball, and they guard you really hard. So all of those things add up to a team that could prove to be difficult. But you know whoever the big boy is that they face in that tournament, it's going to be a tough matchup. Could be Alabama, could be Kansas, could be Purdue. Houston as a 116. Probably not going to be a 15 seed. We'll wait and see what the selection committee decides to do. Northern Kentucky just knows that their name is coming up. So kudos to them and the effort they made. All right, I have you here, and you're in the heart of Big Ten country yep. in Hoosier land. Big Ten tournament has sometimes been in Indianapolis. It kind of alternates with Chicago. So it's not in Indy. It's in Chicago. It's getting underway here midweek and heading to the weekend. One common theme. Do we really know who's good? Do we really know who's March good between all of the top teams like Purdue or Alabama, probably Kansas, the defending champs? But do we really know about Gonzaga or Houston, UCLA? They've all kind of taken losses at different times. All right, a Big Ten tournament that has had Purdue as a number one team a couple of times this year, number one in the country. Purdue is the regular season champs. Northwestern, what a great story yeah, for Chris seed. Collins' team as a two seed. Indiana basketball is godlike in this state, and the Hoosiers have been good. 
Size up the Big Ten tournament. Give me a feel just for a minute or two. What do you think? I think it's going to be like every other tournament game that's played throughout the month of March and then maybe even in the Final Four in April. It's going to be complete chaos. We really don't know what to expect. <laughs> there isn't a team that just sort of stands out at you. I thought Kansas going into the tournament last year proved down the stretch that they were the team to beat. They had all the pieces. They had this, the, the upperclassmen guards. They had the size. They had the bigs. They had a little bit of everything. This year, Jalen Wilson is good. We love the Grady Dick story. I think he's going to be a guy to watch in the tournament if you're Kansas. But you don't have the guaranteed commodities like you had last year. I don't think you get that with many teams. So to your question about the Big Ten, was Purdue the team to beat in that tournament th three weeks ago? Yes. Have they looked a bit more pedestrian down the stretch? Yes. And some bracketologists have even taken them off the one line in terms of seeding coming into it. So I think they need a big week in, in, in uh, Chicago with a double bye to be able to secure their spot on the one seed line come tournament time. I don't know who's going to win that tournament. I think you, I, I think you look at it from a, you know, who's been there, who's done that. Do you believe in a Tom Izzo team that's got certainly the talent and has the size and kind of muscle your right. way through? Do you believe in the defense of Northwestern, which will have a little bit of an edge playing in Chicago? Uh, Indiana, I think, has a favorable draw. It's probably Maryland that finally gets to them in that uh, quarterfinal matchup, which the Hoosiers lost to in College Park. But I, after that point in time, it's maybe Northwestern. And then if you have another matchup, they swept Purdue this year because I think Indiana actually does match up pretty well with the Boilers. I think Purdue has to be the team to beat. They were the best team in the regular season. It was just a total scrum but beneath them in the standings. They won by three games and it was all said and done. And I will say this about Purdue. They built a massive lead against Illinois to close out the regular season last week in the first half and did it with Zach Eady only playing nine points. He's a matchup nightmare. They're getting some help from other people. Watch out. Here's a name for you. Brandon Newman back in the starting lineup for the Boilermakers, Ooh. making shots, hustling on the defensive end, kind of an X-factor guy right now because you had Edie and two freshman guards, and that was kind of the year for Purdue with a bunch of bit pieces around him. But Newman has sort of arrived on the scene. Hello, Newman. Hello, Has Newman. arrived for Purdue to be a guy that I think can give them a good scoring punch and a compliment to what Zach Edie does. So I like Purdue to win this. They're the best team in the Big Ten. I like him to win the Big Ten tournament, be a one seed, and we'll see who's in their bracket because there could be some matchups out there. If they end up as a one and Arizona is a two, I think Arizona is a terrible matchup for Purdue. There are a couple of teams out there that I think can throw bodies at Zach Eady and make it really hard on Purdue. But it would be really helpful if you can win the Big Ten tournament, which I think they will, to secure a one seed and avoid a big team that can beat you until at least the Elite Eight. All right, we'll see how all of that plays out. You and I have fun debating all of these different things. Let's see what happens with the Big Ten. You gave me a bunch here, Will Haskett. Thank you for your work on the Horizon League Championship. Uh, here as we're still in the Indiana Farmers Coliseum post-game aftermath with NKU celebrating. I love your insight on college basketball coast-to-coast. -coast. Enjoy March. Enjoy the mayhem. You're working a lot of golf for PGA Tour Radio. Thank you for hanging with me during this segment here in the midweek on, uh, on talking what might happen on Selection Sunday, my friend. Let's build some good brackets, okay? Again, what will happen in Chicago? Chris Dobertine will have thoughts on how many Big Ten teams he has in the tournament right now. Is Purdue locked in as a one seed or not? Hear that conversation in a little bit. But now let's segue and talk some Big East, shall we? Ari Russell will be covering what happens with UConn and Marquette, Creighton and Xavier on Friday night. Who wins the title game on Saturday night? And how high is that Big East team potentially seeded in the NCAA tournament? That discussion as we continue here.
And I love going coast to coast, hence the name of the show, College Basketball Coast to Coast. My man, Ari Russell, he has been my wingman for the better part of almost 20 years on XM, eventually Sirius XM, our tune-in coverage. And whenever I'm going Big East and Northeast, my man Ari Russell is all over it from that part of the world. Good to be back with you. It is our time of the year. And I often say this to you. It seems like I regularly say this to you. I love going to these different tournaments, but I'm profoundly jealous of not being in the garden for semifinal Friday night or championship Saturday night. You get to be there again and be in and around all of this. So here we go again. How you feeling? And are you ready uh, for the Big East championship as we get the weekend rolling? Yeah, you this point it's a yearly occurrence but uh you know this this is going to be an interesting one because um you know we've got UConn in the building um which out of all the four teams remaining or the teams remaining uh are is the only kind of original which is interesting because it was out of the league for a little bit well right and then and then um you know so now they're back in it and uh, I think from a guarded perspective, having one of the originals is is big for from, you know, for a myriad of reasons, not only just location, but UConn is, is definitely a team that is going to have a huge contingent there. Um, regardless, though, it's always an event. You know, New Yorkers like to go to the Big East tournament. It's something talked about. People are like, oh, I got tickets to the Big East tournament, even if they don't have any um, rooting interest in the game. So uh, it, it's it's an atmosphere that is always popping. It's always booming this time of year. You know, Knicks have a West Coast road trip. We used to joke that this was a much bigger ticket than the Knicks. Knicks are actually pretty good this year. So uh, so the the Garden has been popping, and they expect it to be pretty pretty loud there this this weekend. Uh, but I think you know having UConn there is is a big deal because it's one of the original teams. It's close by. They have a huge, loud fan base. So um, it's it's something that the atmosphere is 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 really fantastic, and it's it's really the OG of the tournaments. You know, it's if we look at conference tournaments, the ones that was always been the biggest ticket because it's been at the mecca, um, and it never disappoints. It's always entertaining. It's always fun. It's always energetic. Uh, and the team that wins it is very excited because there's so much tradition. All right. So the interesting thing about both of these semifinals is one team had to scratch and claw and one team kind of had it on cruise control and really outplayed their opponent in the quarterfinals. So the first of those is Marquette. You mentioned right. the atmosphere, a Thursday afternoon atmosphere where Marquette trailed for a while against St. John's. They had the lead. They let St. John's get back and get tied with them. And the game had to go to overtime. Marquette escapes with a two point win. Then after that, UConn played very well against Providence throughout the game, and they end up winning by seven, but they had a 10-point lead for much of the second half. So now those two teams square off in the first semifinal. And kind of a mirror, Xavier losing a lot of the game to DePaul on Thursday night yeah. as we as we tape this, but they outplayed them when it mattered in the final three, four minutes for uh, Sean Miller's team. And uh, his veteran leadership came through and they win by five. And then you have Creighton that really just dominated Villanova. A bit surprising. Villanova's been playing well at the end of the year, but Creighton was all over them on Thursday night. So it's kind of interesting. You've got a semifinal Marquette-UConn and Xavier-Creighton where it kind of mirrors. One team really yeah. struggled. One team had it on cruise control. A quick thought on that as we talk yeah. Friday semifinals. 
Well, look, uh, you know, Marquette has been the team that's the surprise team in the conference this year, picked ninth. Uh, you know, I, I thought when Shaka Smart took the Marquette job, I thought that was just as as much of a good fit as you can find. Uh, I, I don't think Texas was a good fit for a Shaka Smart. I think Marquette is the perfect fit for for merit, many reasons, mainly because of just, I think, the recruiting territory and the type of player that he gets and the type of basketball that's played in that region. Uh, and, and he's bringing that Shaka Smart kind of gritty basketball to Marquette. And they really gritted it out against the St. John's team that needed to win the tournament to get into the NCAA and probably save Mike Anderson's job. <laughs> so, uh, so. And, and they really clawed. Look, they were down 14 and then down 10 at halftime, I believe. Um, again, took the lead, lost it again, um, and, and ended up gritting it out. Uh, tough team, but again, like knocking out the home team, basically, in St. John's. Um, as far as Creighton is concerned, I mean, again, they've been the bridesmaid, never the bride at this tournament. So they're hungry. Villanova has been a team that's been very hot. Again, another team that had to win basically the tournament to get into the NCAA. Doesn't happen this year. We've seen Villanova be dominant in the Big East tournament. Just wasn't their year. Uh, had a lot of injuries early on this year. They just weren't able to really recover and respond. And Creighton was a team, I mean, I think early on in the season, preseason or even early, they were a top 10 team, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, correct. They, they they can score as well as anyone in the country. And, uh, you know, they just basically put it on the necks of Villanova. It was like, no chance. You guys don't have a shot. Uh, UConn had a tremendous lead i think it was up to 26 points against providence which was kind of surprising because providence is a very tough team themselves good defensively ed cooley's a great coach as we know um and they just you know almost gave up the lead but held on i mean it, it was such an insurmountable lead but providence clawed back enough to make it a little bit dicey for uconn but they dominated that game. You know, Dan Hurley's done a great job. I believe this is the third year in a row that UConn is in the semifinals. It's playing a Friday night in New York. So, um, you know, again, a team that has also had a great start and kind of struggled a little bit early on in the Big East conference play and then got their footing again. So we'll see what happens. And, and they definitely got their footing early on, at least for the first 28 minutes of that game uh, against Providence. Uh, and Xavier, you know, they they uh, DePaul was shooting the lights out over sixty percent, if I'm not mistaken, and they overcame yep. that and clawed back. And like you said, I mean, Sean Miller is is a guy that is a uh, proven track record to win games, win big games, and uh, you know he's back on a big stage again. Um, you know, and and I believe this is his first season back with Xavier, which again, perfect fit for a guy that has had great success at Xavier prior. Yep. Back to the future with that. And again, he's got a couple of graduate transfer players. Jack Nunge is one of those who had the big game. Got to get used to these different names uh, for some of these teams on a semifinal Friday night. You're hearing the voice of Ari Russell with me. It's college basketball coast to coast as we head into the weekend. And again, we don't know the results of what the Friday night semifinals in the Big East tournament will be between Marquette and UConn, Xavier and Creighton. We're just kind of projecting uh, what will happen. Uh, it, those four teams are all in the tournament. Uh, I, I I wonder, can one of them maybe ascend to a second seed in the NCAA tournament? You don't think so. UConn would maybe have that chance. Marquette would maybe have that chance. The winner of the Big East tournament is probably at best a third seed, do you think, off of Saturday? Yeah, I think at best the third, a three seed. I mean, I, I think Marquette 
might be a three. They might have a couple three seeds actually. Um, Marquette Xavier. I mean, they all have high net. I I don't follow right. the net that much to be honest. And I'm not a bracket. You've got your bracketologist. I know. That are, that the net, and there. look, the net is not the be-all, end-all, but Connecticut sits at 7 as this uh, semifinal Friday night plays out. Marquette is at 12, so just by the math, that would indicate somewhere around 2-seed or 3-seed for both of those teams, possibly. That's not the only thing the committee is looking at, right. but it's ju- it's possible. It's possible and, off of this. And the, and the fact that it's chalk in the conference now, too, helps because now it's like you're forced to play you know, a high net team. <laughs> yes. No matter what and it's happens, more quality win. This is your point. It's exactly. more quality wins. Exactly. If you win Friday night and you win Saturday night, it's right. only going to help the net resume, help the quality uh, quad one win, help the strength of schedule that you're yeah, playing these I mean, games on a neutral floor. The Big East, you know, very strong conference. They did great in the, uh, in the uh, non-conference play. I mean, that's why their nets are so high. They beat each other up all season. Uh, but you know those top four teams are great, and uh, obviously, I mean, Providence is a lock for the tournament as well. You think they're a lock? They're fifty-five yeah. in the net. They have four quad one wins. You don't think they're nervous? For they Sunday might be night? a little nervous, but I, I think it's tough when you have all of those. It's not like they lost. To, it's not like they lost to a non-tournament team getting out of the tournament, you know, and they only lost by single digits. So you know, and I know that they don't. They say they don't take a look at you know margin of victory you know i i don't know i the it's only hard to dangerous say. thing the only dangerous thing for them non-conference strength of schedule 265 it's awful for providence now they did play your canes on a neutral floor but they lost they played tcu in the big east big 12 battle and lost in fort worth that's the two most significant non-conference games they played so that that strength of schedule is not good but they do have some quad one wins. They have four of them. They only have one bad quad three loss on uh, on the resume. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, they they have a strong case, but at 55 in the net with that strength of schedule, maybe nervous for Providence, but it looks like the Big East I think probably get in. four in. You think Providence I uh, think is I think I, who I, I don't like as far as, like, other bubble teams with, you know, right. being in conference – you know, unless there's a, a dark horse that wins one of these conference, major conference tournaments, because that's really what we're looking at. Uh, you know, I don't I don't see see that. I mean, are they battling with Clemson? You know, I mean, I think Clemson is probably now in probably st- more strong because they really kicked NC State's butt. And that's last a neutral and that's a neutral floor quad one win against NC neutral State. floor. I, uh-huh. you know, you, you know, when it, when it comes to, to the ACC tournament in the, uh, and when it's in Greensboro, it's not a neutral floor for, for, the, for NC State. It's certainly not a neutral floor for Duke. Uh, uh you know, cause that place is like 80% Duke and, you know, UNC is out. So it's, you know, so like Club said, it was, it was definitely an NC State have. Anyway, uh, I hear what you're saying. Uh, I still think Providence is in. Uh, I think it's, it's shocking. I think, you and know, what again. you mean, if I can interject, is you're now comparing them to Clemson. You're now comparing them to Arizona State who won late night Thursday night as we're taping this on the neutral floor against USC. You're comparing what do their resumes look like, and you believe Providence stacks up well enough to get in yeah. at large, and we'll see. I, I mean, to be honest with you, like they have better quality wins in conference, I think, than than any of those teams that you mentioned. Clemson, I think, 
And and I think honestly, as much as I'm a Miami guy, I mean the Big East is a tougher conference uh, as far as the top is concerned. Uh, so you got those four teams that are really good. They could all be top four seeds, you know, five, four or five, you know, we'll see. And um, so I, I just, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm strong on Providence. I don't really think they're that bubble. I think they're, they're locked in. Um, they could have definitely been fully locked in, but I just think there's too many other bubble teams that resume and conferences aren't as strong. All right, a couple more minutes. Ari Russell with me. Find him at Ari Russell on social media. I love his insight. He will be at the Big East uh, Championship game Saturday night as all of this unfolds. It's interesting that Creighton has lost the title game, right, each of the last two times. Remember, two years ago, no fans. Georgetown, with a losing record, wins the game in an empty garden. And then a year ago, Villanova over Creighton. So if Creighton does, in fact, get there, if they beat Xavier and get there, Will the third time be the charm? We wonder um, uh, about that for Saturday and what the matchup will be. Just share this again. I never get tired of saying this with you. I've been there one time with you. It was the Georgetown 2007. My God, are we getting this old? 2007 resurgence by Georgetown with John Thompson III as the coach. One of the rivers, it was Jeremiah Rivers, right, was there uh, as a player. Patrick Ewing's son uh, was also there. Patrick Ewing Jr. was also there. I keep telling the story that I remember after the game that Doc Rivers, Patrick Ewing, um, uh, who else? John Thompson. We were all standing around John Thompson, the the dad. We're all standing around all these Georgetown people and Doc Rivers. And Doc Rivers and Patrick Ewing had the biggest cigars you've ever seen walking around for that. I mean, I just I vividly remember that. And it's 16 years ago. Uh, just say to the audience again, convey what this is like. Championship game, atmosphere in the garden, the history of the tournament. Share it with the people, please. I mean, it's it's electric. Um, it's it's something that, you know, again, it's it's especially when it's an original team. Not saying that that I'm not trying to take anything away from if Marquette Xavier Creighton wins the conference tournament at all. I'm not trying to say that because it's a big deal, right? But when it was one of when it's an original team, when it's one of the original OGs of, of the, mm-hmm. the tournament, um, it's just a bigger deal, in my opinion, because the fan base has been so involved in the team and they've been to these Big East tournaments before since Dave Gavin invented the conference, you know. Um and it's it's just the concept that it's so much bigger, I think when it is an original team now like take it back to villanova a year ago you were in the building they yes, won the I national mean, title obviously a couple of times in the late 2010s but now they're back winning the big east tournament again and they easily had uh you were telling me this they easily had 12 to fifteen thousand of, of the seats in the garden if not more and yeah. that's an original team that's your point mm-hmm. what was that atmosphere like I mean, Villanova, first off, you know, you're not, you're dealing with a team that's, you know, 90 minutes away. But they also, it, you know, that's the where the school is. People are like, well, the school is this, this, this. It's not like everyone that lives around the school that, that went to attend the school. It's a huge contingent throughout Jersey. There's a lot of alumni in New York City. So, um, and I know several personally. And it's just the school that, you know, loves their basketball. And Jay Wright had made that program into something in a powerhouse almost to a point where it's like a blue blood it's amazing mm-hmm. right like 
they were so good and dominant and expected themselves to win the tournament. You know, the, their winning attitude was there and their fans are always really nice and cool and not arrogant. You know, like it wasn't like an arrogant crowd, which is interesting for a, a winning team from the Philadelphia area being that way. But but it was always they were always a very pleasant fan base. I always felt Villanova fans. Um and uh, I don't think any real other teams had that much hate towards them. I think maybe the other Philly area teams might have their feelings towards Villanova, but not in the Big East, right? Because there aren't really any other Philly teams in the Big East. Um, so it, it, it's just an atmosphere when, when you have those huge fan bases able to get to the Garden and just rock it out. You know, they're excited. I mean, these teams really want to win it. Whoever wins it on, on uh, Saturday night is is going to be excited. Their fan base is going to be hyped. They should be because it's been a, it's a great tournament. And this year, the, the conference was really tough and really good. It has some really good teams. There's been team times in the past where the conference wasn't as good. It wasn't as tough, I to say, but the tournament is always tough. Um, and they always beat each other up, very physical. Uh, it's what it's how I like basketball, watch basketball. Uh, you know, I watch sometimes the ACC and I'm critical of it. It's not as physical because the refs don't allow it to be physical. Biggies, they let them play. That's how I like it. And that's yeah. how New York people in New York want to see their basketball. They don't want to see that soft, quick whistle because someone looks funny at a Duke player or something like that. Yeah, they got that in Barclays, you know. That's not the garden. That's not the biggies. It's that's not, the, not what it's people not the garden. It's not the biggest. Right. All right. So, so maybe it will be UConn. And again, Ari and I don't know the results of the semifinals as we head into the weekend. Maybe UConn is there. Maybe they're not. We will find out. Uh, but this should be, this should be something else. One more time for a big East championship here on Saturday. And it's, I know it's not lost on you to be around these big events, not lost on me. It does not get old, right? One more time to be in there. No, never. No, it's always fun. You know, and look, the guard, they upgraded the garden. It's much nicer now than it was back when we went there. So, um, you know, it's really nice now. Yeah, I feel, feel fancy. We love we we do feel fancy and it should be great basketball again. All right, promise me this, whatever happens Friday into Saturday, Saturday Big East champion, we're going to be talking about it on the Selection Sunday show after the brackets are out Sunday night to give me some insight and analysis. I'm looking forward to that. Ari yes, Russell indeed. and you being with me coming Sunday. And as if I have to tell you this once, once more for about the umpteenth time, enjoy the big East championship game. And I look forward to circling back with you on whoever wins it. And mm -hmm. is Providence in, is it five big East teams? Uh, how high is the seeded winner of the big East tournament? Are they seated third? Maybe even sneak in as a two seed. Probably not. Let's see. Let's see what happens with all this. Ari Russell, thank you as always on College Basketball Coast to Coast. Enjoy the Big East Championship. Thank you, sir. Great stuff from Ari Russell. He will be joining us on the Selection Sunday Night Show as well, coming right here on the TuneIn channel, coming as well on podcast form, College Basketball Coast to Coast. Make sure you're following or subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're also partnered with the LastWordOnSports.com, LastWordOnSports.com slash podcast. So, so much to get to. Uh, with uh, with all these different games and all that's going to happen. Help me sort it out now. To help me sort it out is Chris Dobertine of bloggingthebracket.com. He's been with us all throughout this season. I publicly say thank you for Chris letting me bother him again this year as he's done for many years here on College Basketball Coast to Coast. So what does he think? And again, with the understanding, if you're hearing us later in the weekend, Chris and I talking 
in the buildup to Friday and everything that's going to happen on Friday, much less Saturday. We don't know Friday results in these conversations, but you're going to get a chance to hear it right now on College Basketball Coast to Coast, previewing into the weekend, headed to Selection Sunday. As promised, it is his time. We are now in the zone, the area of Selection Sunday night and finding out the field for the 2023 version of the Madness, the Mayhem, and the field of 68 in the NCAA tournament. Chris Dobertine back aboard. He's been blogging the bracket uh, all season long, bloggingthebracket.com, and I love his bracketology insight because he's been doing this for over a decade on the SB Nation family of sites. Great insight on all of this. It's here, my friend. We're on the cusp. You and I are doing this on Friday as the games are about to get rolling. We're going to keep it as relevant as we can. But again, Chris, with the understanding, there are going to be results that Chris and I don't know on Friday mm-hmm. and on Saturday that can affect things however they go. First of all, how are you feeling? Are you loaded up? Are you rested enough, caffeinated <laughs> enough, or caffeine on standby and ready to go for the next uh, three days of the stretch run here? Uh, yeah, always have caffeine on standby, just ready to go. Yesterday was wild. I think the next couple of days are going to be even wilder. Ugh. So let's go. Hey, just <laughs> just as a general comment, and we'll get into specifics, the, the bubble took a real hit on Thursday because numerous schools that could have helped themselves lost, right? Yeah. And that's what this time of the year is all about. Exactly. And it's just been, you know, three, real, three tournaments really did it. That being the Pac-12, the Mountain West, and the ACC, the ACC in particular, really was not, it was really not a good night for bubble teams there, but I'm sure we'll get to that later. Yep. Um, but now we have some teams, though, that, you know, looked like they were kind of close to the cut line who very much controlled their own destinies at this point, too. All right. So let's get into all of this right now at the top. So we don't know and we won't know who emerges out of the perennial top teams that we've been talking about here. You currently going into the weekend still have Kansas, Alabama, Houston, and Purdue as your four top teams. Let me ask it like this. Uh, do all of them have to play in the championship game to keep themselves at number one? Kansas, you've got, I believe, is the number one overall seed. Mm-hmm. But does an Alabama or a Houston or a Purdue still have to play in their championship game in your mind to keep the number one seed? Or are those one seeds pretty well solidified and locked? Purdue and Houston are the two that would be flexible at this point. I think particularly with Purdue playing Rutgers today, if they lose that game, you know, if UCLA ends up winning the Pac-12 tournament, I think they're going to end up getting that fourth number one seat. And the door is still open for Arizona, too, at this point. Um, Houston, just because of the quality of the of the American this year, they really have to avoid, you know, losing tonight in particular, today on Friday. Um, otherwise, they could end up potentially being knocked down though again i think they have enough room i think that there's enough things would have to happen for that to happen for them to fall off i think they're going to be okay even with a loss on friday and again the assumption they're a 23 point favorite with east carolina the assumption is they're going to yeah. win that game and be in the semifinals and then what happens from there uh remains yeah. to be seen about them being in the title game much less winning it uh, all right, so that's the, that's on the one line. You mentioned UCLA and Arizona on your two line. They are in separate semifinals mm-hmm. on Friday night as you and I tape and release this. I, I guess the real question uh, is, uh, you mentioned UCLA could maybe move up to the one line uh, here uh, on this, but you've got them both pretty well solidly as two seeds. Who would likely come 
East come out of the West? I mean, is that likely going to be whoever doesn't win the Pac-12 tournament is going to have to come East? UCLA had to come East a year ago. What do you think? Well, well, I think that's possible, but you also have to think about what's going on in the Big East. And right now, I have Marquette as the fourth number two. So Marquette ends up getting in the East. So you end up sending Arizona to the Midwest mm. as the second two seed. Texas goes to the South. Marquette ends up getting the East. So if they stay five and six, that's what will happen. I think, though, that what's going to end up happening, especially if it's Arizona, Arizona will probably get pushed down a bit. So that might bring up that scenario where they might end up going East as, you know, the seventh overall seed or the eighth overall seed. It's voice of Chris Dobertine. It's bloggingthebracket.com. Follow him on social media throughout the weekend at Chris Dobertine, D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N. And he does a great job with us on college basketball, coast to coast, of going over the bracket, the seeds. And this is our time. This is it for the final three days uh, going into Selection Sunday. And Chris will be part of our Selection Sunday night uh, coverage in particular to tell us, what did that committee get wrong uh, he, will, he will be talking about that. Uh, again, we don't know the result, but UConn Marquette is very pivotal in your seating in a Big East semifinal, including a potential Big East tournament win, because that's going to solidify whoever between UConn and Marquette is a two seed in your bracket. Yeah, that, that's what's on the line for those those two schools. Yeah, I think so. But I'm a little bit still a little bit worried about the way the committee devalued UConn during their selection preview a few weeks ago. I think the Huskies have done enough, you know, have made enough statements in the meantime to, to show that they're worthy of a two seed um, because I think they're probably one of the most dangerous teams in the entire country. But if the committee doesn't think so, they're going to be a very dangerous three. So, but as you said, I think that that game, you know, that semifinal today, you know, whoever gets to that final on Saturday has a really, really good shot at ending up being the two seed in the East region. Okay, interesting on Chris's bracket, and we are going to play some who's in, who's out in just a few moments as we lead into the weekend. You have nine Big Ten teams in right now, but not Michigan. You have eight SEC teams in right now, so you've got Mississippi State in, Missouri in, uh, both, both comfortably here at this stage. Regardless of what the Friday results are in the SEC tournament, you believe Arkansas, Missouri, Mississippi State, Auburn have all done enough at this point to warrant at large. Follow up on the SEC, if you would. The team that really would concern me out of that group is, is Mississippi State just because, you know, their metrics aren't as strong as the others. Missouri, you know, their net is not that great, but they have the quality wins to kind of back it up. Um, I think that's the team that's most in danger. Arkansas right now is a top 20 net team. I don't think they're going to end up being left out. Um, Auburn is probably third on the list in terms of danger, especially, you know, since they weren't able to get a win yesterday, but I think they're going to be, they're going to be fine. And again, on our timeline, Chris and I are taping before the games begin on Friday, Mississippi State playing in the afternoon with Alabama as we're taping Missouri playing in the afternoon with Tennessee, so do either one of them pull that upset and that would all but assure either yeah. one of them with a win on a neutral floor like that of getting in. And Chris and I don't know those results. You will know those results as Friday goes on and certainly Saturday goes on. Um, all right. Uh, let, let's get into it uh, right now. Let's let's just go ahead and go some team by team situations. Here we go. Who's in, in or out, out for the big dance in March? 
Okay, uh, I mentioned North Carolina and Michigan. You have both of them out right now. North Carolina off the loss to Virginia and Michigan absolutely terrible against Rutgers in the second half. You have both of them out. You have both of them well out, gone for good, come Sunday night at large, Michigan and North Carolina? Yeah, Mich- yeah Michigan is outside even the top eight teams in that NIT group, so they're way out of it right now. North Carolina is like seventh or eighth at this point. They just, you know, one and nine against Quadrant Run. I don't, you know, it's good that you didn't pick up any bad losses, but you didn't beat enough good teams. And even with 20 wins, I don't think that's going to be enough for the Tar Heels this year. And again, the two most important things the committee always says they consider. First of all, whom did you play on your schedule? How tough? Whom did you play? And then the second thing, whom did you beat? Who are your wins? Who are your biggest wins? And that's where both of those likely have come up short. Either one of them could have helped themselves on the neutral floor in the ACC or Big Ten tournament, respectively. Neither one did out of North Carolina or Michigan. Swing all the way out to the Mountain West, Nevada. They took a loss on Thursday to San Jose State. Nevada now a loss at Wyoming, awful team. A loss at home to UNLV, bad loss, below 100 in the net. Now they lose to San Jose State in the first Mountain West game. Do you have Nevada out now? Have they lost their way out at large? What say you, Chris? Nevada is the first team out, and at this point, you know, considering everything that's still out there and the potential for teams to kind of sneak in, that's kind of like being fourth out. What doesn't really make much difference. They needed that game against San Jose State State badly yesterday, and they just didn't get it. They picked the possibly the worst time to play their worst basketball of the season over the final three games. And at the moment, Nevada sits at 39 in the net which is still interesting with those losses that they've taken. Uh, will they snub them? We, we will make mention here and, uh, and probably a couple more times before Sunday night. They snubbed an NC State team in 2019 that had a 33 net ranking next to their name, yeah. and they kept them out at large. So just be careful. Just because you're inside the top 50, much less inside the top 40, it doesn't guarantee it just on the net alone. Some of that will be Nevada's overall resume. Let's stay out West. You and I don't know Pac-12 Friday night results. My hypothetical is with the Arizona State win over USC right now, have Mm -hmm. they done enough? Or do they need the Arizona head-to-head win in Las Vegas Friday night? What say you, Chris? I think that they need the win over Arizona just because there's a good chance they might just get passed by a bid thief at this point. You know, they're they're hanging on there in that last four in group. But, you know, so many things can happen when you have when you're able to control your own fate. Do it. Amen. Well said on that. Win your games at the end. Likewise, Clemson has Virginia Friday night late ACC semifinal. Has Clemson done enough, including the neutral floor win over NC State? Are they in Mr. Blogging the Bracket dot com or do they need this Virginia game also to get to the final? I think they need to get to the final to be safe. They're the second to last team in right now because, again, you have those four just absolutely hideous losses. If you know they don't take care of business tonight, I think that they, the committee could very well leave them out just because of those. So again, take care of your own business. You know, you know, create your own luck, create your own fate. Do it that way. All right. Uh, it will be interesting about some bid stealers and some teams that have uh, some opportunities. Maybe Clemson is one of those 
uh, bid stealers that plays their way all the way to the championship game and earns a spot in when they weren't in two or three days ago. We don't know yep. if that is if that's the case. Uh, San Jose State is an interesting one. Again, San Jose State's playing great basketball at the end of the year. Tim Miles deserves consideration for National Coach of the Year. Uh, what can they do with San Diego State on the neutral floor in Vegas? We don't know that answer. But, man, they are making a case late in the year, especially if they follow up the win over Nevada with a win over San Diego State. I don't I don't think you would have them in at large at that moment, but this is a bid-stealer thing on the radar if they beat the Aztecs. Yeah, I mean, they're they're not really an at-large start right now because right. they're 92 in the net. Um, but they played San Diego State once, got demolished by 21 points, but that was back at the end of January. And this is a team that has gotten better and better. You know, you never thought, you know, this was their first ever win in the Mountain West tournament. They were 0-8 heading into yesterday. You know, if they get a second, <laughs> things get really, really nerve-wracking for the other bubble teams, you know, for the bubble teams that, you know, still, you know, are on the sidelines, don't have any more games to play, because San Jose State could potentially come in here and just wreck everything for them. One more time, Chris, your last four in at bloggingthebracket.com. Friday as play begins, your last four in are? Arizona State, Utah State, Clemson, and Oregon. And oddly enough, all four of those teams still have an opportunity to play their way even further up the bracket. And the first four out includes the Nevada team we talked about and whom else as the other three that you have at the moment on the outside looking in. The two teams that got blown out in the ACC tournament yesterday in Pitt and NC State, and then Oklahoma State, who didn't do what they needed to do against Texas. Um, so they're out as well. All right. Uh, again, he does a fantastic job. He'll be updating things on bloggingthebracket.com for Saturday, and I'm sure for Sunday. Follow him on social media at Chris Dobertine, D-O-B-B-E-R-T-E-A-N. You've been tremendous with me in the buildup to Selection Sunday. This is the final time I get to say in advance of the bracket that we look forward to a bracket. The next time I talk to you, we will have a bracket yes. on Selection Sunday night. I look <laughs> forward to that, Chris. Have a great weekend, my friend. I appreciate it. You too. Thank you, TJ. There we go. That will do it. That sets the stage for everything that's about to happen here with all the conference tournaments, the absolute blur of Friday into Saturday with automatic bids and then championship Sunday as well. And then the selection show from CBS exclusively comes up on Sunday night at 6 Eastern time. What is the field of 68? Can't wait for all that to unfold. And we thank Chris one more time for helping us blog the bracket. Thanks to Will Haskett with me earlier in the week talking about the Northern Kentucky win. Again, on this tune-in channel, College Basketball Coast to Coast, if you're listening to the streaming show on the channel, we will have the third championship game Saturday night depending on when you're hearing us, Metro Atlantic Conference title game, Atlantic City, New Jersey. Looking forward to being in Boardwalk Hall, historic Boardwalk Hall. Uh, as we talked about uh, previously, they held the Miss America pageant there for so many years. Uh, this will be a different beauty pageant of, uh, of kind uh, here for the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference, the MAAC. Let's see who wins that tournament. Rick P uh, Patino's Iona team is favored. Do they even make the title game? I don't know that on Friday as we release the show. Do they make the title game? We'll have the title game for you. Mike Gill with me on Friday night. On the on Saturday night, excuse me, Saturday night on the call for the championship game 
of the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference uh, title. Somebody goes to the NCAA tournament. We're looking forward uh, to having that. And again, Selection Sunday Night Show, after all this is over with, after the bracket is out, on podcast form or on the TuneIn channel as well. We've already uh, put UNC Asheville and Northern Kentucky into the tournament. Now an MAAC title winner into the tournament. You're hearing that right on the TuneIn College Basketball Coast to Coast channel with these live games as well. For now, we're good. My thanks to Will Haskett, Ari Russell, Chris Daubertine with me. I'm TJ Reeves. Enjoy the weekend and all the action. It's College Basketball Coast to Coast Selection Sunday show coming Sunday night. Enjoy the games.